Amanda. Clay. Do you like scary movies? Yeah. Yeah, I think I do. Do you like scary movies? I do, and I think a lot of other people do too, and we cover a lot on our show, but there are a lot that I think people are fans of that we don't cover, like, say, uh, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The the Dream (laughs) Master, or whatever. All of the Halloween franchise? All of the Halloween, minus two of them, I guess. But we want to change that, because Halloween is approaching, it's very spooky time, we want to give you more horror movie content. So what we'd like to do is on Patreon, we would like to start covering these franchise movies one by one so we can really dig into, you know, the worst that horror movies have to offer instead of the best. (laughs) But in order to do that, we have to hit a certain level of fundraising on our Patreon, which you can help us do. So if you like what you hear on Rotten Horror Picture Show, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Penske file and uh, sign up. And if we reach our goal then we'll be bringing you more horror movie coverage, and you'll also get access to all the other stuff we do at the Penske File, which includes other sci-fi film reviews, Star Trek rewatches, content consumption discussions, and so many other things. I don't know how, how we have time to do any of this. It's a lot. It's a lot of, a lot of material. It really is, and I yeah. <laughs> don't have a job currently. Um <laughs> Even more reason for you to sign up for the Patreon. So if, if you'd like to do that, Amanda and I would love to bring you some more horror movie content. So uh, thank you guys and happy early Halloween. Spooky Halloween. Hey everyone, welcome again to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about movies off of Rotten Tomatoes, 200 greatest horror movies of all time list. My name is Clay and with me as always is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I am pretty good. How are you, Clay? Good. This is our landmark 20th episode. Holy shit. Yeah. And since it's a <laughs> oh uh, in a a multiple of five this is we're going off of our main list to do a movie that's not on the list one of our wild card picks and this week we're doing uh, a movie you chose which is 2016's the autopsy of jane doe yes so uh what um this is uh, this actually has an 87 percent rating on rotten tomatoes so it's actually higher than a lot of movies that are on the list i feel like we run into that quite a bit but they're uh-huh. Their uh, rating system is continues to baffle me. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what is it about this one that made you choose it? Um. Well, first of all, I do think this is a very underrated movie. Mm. Like, I, I actually I think it's a pretty legitimately scary movie. Like, it has its flaws, but I really like a lot of elements of it. Mm. Um. And yeah, I, th- I think it does the sort of thing that I really like, which is 
a sort of smaller cast, um, not a shit ton of exposition, and and just sort of a a, a very self contained story. Definitely, and yeah. that's sort of my jam. How did you uh, first come across it? I think it was just like a Netflix recommendation for me a while back. Um, and I had never heard of it before and, and something about it intrigued me. And then I started watching it one night, uh, by myself and it scared the shit out of me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of quickly shot up to like, like, a, I, I, I have a higher regard for it than a lot of other horror movies because there are parts of this that actually freaked me out the first time I watched it. Well, that's always, that's the, uh, that's the dragon we're all chasing, isn't it? Exactly, exactly, and it's never the same when you when you rewatch it and you watch it again. Um, but yeah, that that first that first experience, like alone at night, it's it was it was great. I had to shut it off and yeah. finish it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah i i had I had seen this once before, and I I do think this is a good choice because um, though this isn't on that list, I do see this movie brought up a lot. Um, out in the world uh, as yeah. a anytime anytime I'm on Twitter and someone's like I'm looking for a horror movie someone recommends stuff without fail this always pops up at least one or two times so it is uh, it's a movie that didn't get a lot of press um, mm-hmm. I don't even know if it really had if it came out in theaters I don't remember it being seeing anything about it in theaters I only know it from from streaming yeah, I, I don't think it did. I don't think it had like a major theatrical release. I think it did some of the uh, the festival circuit, but that was about it. Yeah, I think it might have been like a, a Sundance movie or, or one of those things or Toronto or something. Sure, one of those places. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I saw it based on word of mouth and I, I also, I, I enjoyed it. I, I have some uh, qui- uh, quibbles, squabbles, squibbles, I don't know. <laughs> I got some issues. I think, issues, qui- is I think what quibbles I'm is the word, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, Qu- quabbles, quabbles, quabbles. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, <laughs> I think for for a uh, we we were talking last night, and I I was saying that I feel like this movie kind of has a similar energy to it to like Starry Eyes, and I yeah. feel like it kind of falls under that umbrella of like, oh, this is one that kind of went under the radar, but a lot of people recommend or or should recommend because it does uh it's kind of you don't expect it to be as as uh, as solid as it is because it's if whether or not it's a just a streaming thing or something it's 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 it is an underrated movie that uh i think benefits from the word of mouth absolutely and i think given that it is a relatively low budget and and sort of not a, a major uh like major studio release, mm-hmm. uh, like given those things that, that what it's able to do with the resources it has is pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll take a quick break, play the trailer and then we will get into it. Make sure he's dead. Sheriff, what happened? 
No ID. No fingerprints in the system. For now, she's a Jane Doe. He needs my help right now. 11 o'clock, I'm all yours. Subject is in her mid to late 20s. Hair brown. Eyes gray. What happened to you? First, they bound her. Then they ripped out her tongue, poisoned her, paralyzed her, forced her to swallow the cloth. What is that? All right, The Autopsy of Jane Doe, directed by Andre Ovredal. I probably murdered that, but uh, <laughs> I believe he's Norwegian or Swedish or something. He did another movie called Troll Hunter, which, I, which I've seen, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Um, written by Ian Goldberg and Richard Nang, starring Brian Cox, Emil Hirsch, Ophelia Lovabond, and every naked inch of Olwen Catherine Kelly. <laughs> Amanda. Jesus. What happens in this movie? You're you're going to love this summary. Are you ready? Yes. Is it like two okay. sentences? Close. Okay. It's one. Oh, excellent. Even better. <laughs> when father and son coroners investigate the death of a beautiful Jane Doe, they find increasingly bizarre clues. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's it, it <laughs> it's is just maybe leaving out one or two things. It is about as uh, vague as the the some of the story elements in the movie. So maybe it's just on 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 the same page as that. <laughs> I do love that it works in the fact that uh, said Jane Doe is beautiful. Oh yeah, I mean you have to. Yeah. You don't. I mean no one wants to see the autopsy of ugly Jane. Mediocre Doe. looking Jane yeah. Doe. No. <laughs> average american body type jane doe no 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 i mean she's an alive like seven but she's a dead 10 you know what i'm saying (laughs) oh come on (laughs) (laughs) that was horrible yeah i know yeah you're going to hell for that one things we will find in this movie include uh intense morgue based hazing Mm -hmm. sinus flies Mm mm-hmm the worst. Extre- <laughs> the worst kind of flies. Mm-hmm. Extreme subdermal tattooing. Which is probably going to become popular, I think, very soon. <laughs> I mean, why not? Uh, and I'm going to put this one in quotes because it's not mine. Shitty cats getting what they deserve. That's all Brian. That's not me either. That's just how what I pulled from <laughs> Brian Cox and his... Uh, Oh, that poor cat. Yeah. 
Uh, and then, as is tradition, questionable parenting. Yeah, a bit of a stretch, but I don't know. Uh, there's, I, I'd say that there's some... Th- that conversation they have in the elevator definitely smacks of questionable parenting, so... Yeah, and and said said morgue based hazing that happens to the poor that's girlfriend. True. Like, yeah, that's not cool, Dad. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So this this movie I think has a fantastic premise. Um, yes, and the first half of it I think is really really great. The finding the body in a house full of people who have been killed in horrible ways and the coroner is like yeah it looks like they were trying to escape there was nobody breaking in is a great setup uh the the bringing the body to the morgue um and having it be such a mystery is great and you know in autopsy autopsies are always fun in movies because <laughs> it's like solving it's like solving a puzzle inside a person you know um yeah and they do a really great job with it, with the stuff that they find inside and whatnot. Where this one kind of falls apart for me is once they leave the autopsy room for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's not that it's bad, because it's not. Because I think the gags and stuff that they do are, are a lot of fun. It just yeah. feels like they are a little bit... Um, it's They don't feel of the story. If that makes sense, they just kind of feel like gags they could do in the in a morgue, um, because yeah, I, I think I, it, it takes so long for you to find out what's going on that I don't know if if the walking around corpses and stuff really add to add to the to the whole premise, you know? Yeah, I I totally agree, and it, when I watch this, especially like like when i've watched it on on repeat watches like after the first watch through mm-hmm. i've kind of wondered to myself um did like did the writers come up with these kind of moments and it, like did did they just come up with them separate from the main storyline and we're sort of like oh no that's so great we have to do it yeah yeah do you know what I mean? Like it, it feels like they had a really cool idea. Like you said, like they had a they had a great idea of a thing they could do in the morgue and with that setting, and they did it because it was a great set piece and a great moment in a morgue, rather than because it fits with the story. Mm. You know what? It, what it actually really feels like. It feels like something that started as a short film and then they expanded it out into a feature. Because mm. the the short film, it feels like the short film would have been all of the stuff on the two ends of the movie in that take place in the in the morgue. Because I mean, that's a perfect setup for a short film. You got the two guys trying to figure out what's going on with this body. Turns out to be some sort of witch thing, and then you know they get killed or whatever. <laughs> it's it's just when you have to expand it from forty five minutes or whatever to ninety minutes. And you got to figure out what to put in that extra time, that extra forty-five minutes. Um, it feels a little bit like, yeah, like you're saying, it's 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 they just sort of toss some stuff in there. That being said, I think the stuff that they do is is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I so to back up a little bit, mm-hmm. like to to go back to sort of the beginning of this of this movie, mm-hmm. you get the scene where. 
the sheriff and the deputies are in in the house where these people have been murdered and you get you know no explanation behind really what happened to them or why Mm -hmm. uh and then they go down and they find jane doe the body half buried in the basement in the dirt floor of a basement and then it sort of cuts from there to um the father and son uh coroner and medical examiner team and they're doing an autopsy of a burnt body kind of set to like a like a kind of rock song or yes, something yes yeah and it's this it's this very interesting i had to think to myself i had to think about it a couple times if i liked it or not and i decided that i did mm-hmm. because i think it does this really interesting thing right off the bat where um it sort of puts you in the position that that wh- I'm blanking on like their names. There's Tommy and then oh, the oh, sons. Oh, oh, well, let's back up for a second. <laughs> Amanda's blanking on the character names. Oh, yeah, you didn't. Remember I know, that, and there's uh, only like two characters. You didn't remember that Emil Hirsch plays Austin Tilden <laughs> and Brian Cox plays Tommy Tilden. I said Tommy. <sighs> I got Tommy. I didn't get Austin. Uh, hold on um, a second. I have to say bye to your credibility. It's leaving. <laughs> Wait, I had credibility? <laughs> oh, shit. Didn't even know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's sort of like by, by setting it to sort of like rock music and making it this almost like montage moment of the two of them, like digging into this guy. Um, it It puts the audience kind of in their frame of mind mm-hmm. where they really do just treat this as a job. Sure, sure. Um, and it kind of creates like in I, I like there's a there's a term I've heard thrown around about uh, like in terms of writing with like narrative voice, something called psychic distance, mm. which is like how close or far away emotionally are you allowing your narrator to be from the action? Mm-hmm. And I think establishing it this way kind of creates that initial psychic distance where it's like, it's just a job. It's just something that has to get done. They, they don't play it super gory. Um, it's not really played for like jump scares or, or like gross out moments or anything. It's right, just, it's kind right. of very clinical and very like methodical. And then they're sort of done with it. And I, I, I like that as like an establishing scene because it lulls you into a, a false sense of like calm and like control. Sure. Yeah, it presents something that on the surface would be generally presented as very scary as kind of taking the mystery away from it. Um, mm-hmm. So when they are presented with something that is mysterious, it, uh, you know, it, 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 to have those two be legitimately stumped by it, it kind of gets you into it even more. Um, right. Yeah. And what I, what I do like about that, the, that uh, setup as well um, which is also kind of what doesn't work for me, or I guess what I wish they had handled differently is they set the two of them up as sort of like approaching it from different angles where uh, Mm -hmm. Tommy is very much uh, only about the how of of the person dying. That's what he's there for. We're not here to speculate. We're just here to figure out what the cause of death is. Mm -hmm. Whereas Austin 
is a lot more interested in the why. Um, you know, why would this person end up this way? Why did this person die this way? It, it's it's it, so they have that sort of uh, clash between them. They're two different personalities, and I kind of wish that they had played that up more. Um, going through some of the more personal stuff because you've got the they don't seem to have a bad relationship um yeah it, it seems to be it's strained not because they themselves don't like each other but clearly as they talk about later the mother had died and so he's all alone and uh austin doesn't want to follow in his footsteps and blah 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 so there's there is some tension right. there but they they like each other so having yeah. having this difference of approach um, introduced, I think, is a is a good way to kind of get a sort of it's sort of like a a, a localized Mulder and Scully effect, where <laughs> yeah, Tommy is very much a Scully and and uh, Austin is very much a Mulder, um, but I don't I don't think that they go as far as they could with it. Because because uh, it brings me to a question I wanted to ask you. Mm. Not just a- applicable to this movie, but I think applicable to <laughs> any uh, horror movie. Oh, how boy. long how long should people go? Pr- provided you are in a situation that is on the surface normal, and then an abnormal element is introduced, how long should people go denying the supernatural element? Because in this movie, they are on board very quickly yeah yeah that that's that is that's definitely something i was gonna kind of talk about too is that there's this moment i think i think we commented on it a little bit when we were kind of chatting about the movie the other night um where yeah it just seems like real fast (laughs) that they're both sort of on board with the like oh she must have been tried as a witch in 1693 and this is a whole thing um because you've got you've got Tommy who's who is the the guy who who doesn't care about the how, the why he just wants to know the how and it always comes down to something real world explainable this is what killed him and so once all this crazy yeah. stuff starts happening even he very quickly is like well she seems like she's some sort of a ghost who has it out for us we should probably you know, <laughs> you know he he goes over to that side very quickly he he does, especially for uh, somebody who I'm I'm pretty sure early in the movie, in the first like half an hour maybe, he says something to Austin um, that was pretty much like, well, when you're down here, if you can't see it, mm-hmm. um, feel it, or document it, then it's not real. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for a character like that who seems so grounded in like the material world and, and somebody who draws his conclusions off of like physical evidence Mm -hmm. um for him to sort of jump straight like fully 100 percent willing into the like yep witch ghost this is happening um yeah it is a little like like i think that's the thing with this movie One, one of the weak points of it is that the characters feel a little thin at times Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I think, you know, Tommy, 
<laughs> having Brian Cox in that role does a lot of the heavy lifting of that character. Oh, absolutely. He does like, like 98% of the heavy lifting of that character. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like uh, any slightly lesser actor in that role, you would just it, it would fall way more flat. Some of the dialogue is very ham handed and mm-hmm. like like ham fisted kind of like trite moments but but yeah i I think that that there's there's like a dissonance there with having him get on board that fast but i i i don't know at what point i would have said was the time for him to to, to do so maybe maybe they would have been needed to have been physically menaced a little bit more Mm. well you know I, i on the one hand i find it a kind of refreshing uh, because usually it takes a long time for those characters to come around if they come around at all. Like there's a right th- in the first, it definitely the first two seasons of the X Files. It's it almost becomes a joke how Scully uh, a doesn't believe and always always walks in like two seconds after the supernatural stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, it's like M- Mulder's yes. Mulder's being choked to death by a ghost, which he has to. S- banished back to the nether realm using a, a book and then right after that happens is when scully gets into the house <laughs> right or she's been like napping in the hotel room and he's yeah. like gone to get the ice and is it, getting like menaced by exactly. something and so it's, yeah. a, it's a little refreshing to see characters kind of get on board quickly like uh, um one of the things that i always liked about the hammer films uh the hammer horror films of the the 50s 60s and 70s is mm-hmm. uh Everybody in those movies is aware that vampires exist. Like it's they don't even have to they don't even have to really question it. Like if something happens, they turn the head to the side, there's two holes in the neck and they're like, "Well, it's vampires." So it's it, it exists in a world where you don't have to rehash the stuff and it doesn't become like part of your story that who believes and who doesn't and blah blah blah. However, with a story like this, I feel like it's so small and this really feels like it wants to be a uh, a character study of yeah more than anything it feels like the larger theme is this relationship between the the dad and the son and i feel like you can have that skepticism work as a character trait that's an inroad to whatever this larger conversation is going to be because you have these two that are going in completely different directions as far as you know what they're looking at and where they're going in, in life and whatnot. Um, and so taking that off the board so soon feels like you are leaving some, some meaty character stuff on the table, I think. Absolutely. I, I think especially given um, that the, the wife slash mother has died, mm-hmm. um, I think if you position Tommy as a skeptic, as somebody who's very much like the material world and the reality around us is all there is, it's all we have, and then Mm -hmm. we die, and Mm -hmm. that's it. If that's like his belief system, then losing his wife is, you know, even more devastating than if he were a religious person, because he's he's not thinking, I'm going to see her again in the afterlife, or she's like happy in heaven, or what have you, like... It's and he's, really fully she's gone. And he's 
built to be that kind of character because he deals with yes. death every day and because he deals with it in such a clinical fashion that he there's no uh, there's there's no romance to, to death for this guy. And even after when he has to kill the cat, um, I think he doesn't he say something to the effect of that, that cat was the only thing I had left of your mother or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think he says like that, like as as much of a pain in the ass as that cat was, it was one of the few things I had left of her. Or yeah, something like something so it's like it's lines. it's he has no illusions about about the this romance of the afterlife and whatnot, and then you have him presented with a very supernatural element that is yeah. It's not confirming an afterlife, but I mean, it's kind of is. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's confirming the possibility of an afterlife, which seems like much more than he ever expected to experience. Right, right. So yeah. you would think there would be some sort of, like, I was kind of hoping for it because there's that moment where he sort of decides to give himself to this malevolent being whether mm-hmm. she's a witch or or something else um and i was kind of expecting it to be like like for there to be a moment where he's sort of like you know if your if if your presence is still here that means like that th- that we do go on after death and you can take me and i'll be happy because then there's a chance i get to see my wife again and, and sure they kind of never really bring it together i don't know if it's supposed to be implied in that moment it doesn't feel that way to me mm. I, I could it just see feels them, like a missed opportunity. Yeah, I could see them playing that card and then turning it turning it on him anyway because this is not a this is yeah. not a happy ending movie. Everybody in this movie dies, <laughs> no. and so I could I could see them playing that scene as him being like, "It's okay." There's this I've I've been shown proof that there's the afterlife or something. I'm gonna go be with with your mother. And then it's like, no, you're just going to get murdered by a ghost, and then the ghost is going to kill your son. You know, it, like they right. can still it can still lean into that <laughs> uh, cynicism that they that runs through the whole thing. Yeah, if anything, it can deepen it by by almost giving this character something and then taking it away. Yeah, I mean that's like that. I find, that might be too brutal. Yeah, I was going to say I find something <laughs> satisfying, but also incredibly incredibly dark, even darker than the setup as it stands of <laughs> I know we're, we're we're pushing an autopsy movie to be darker yeah yeah to but to <laughs> to to go from there to uh, uh dangling the hope of an afterlife in front of this one character and then having pulling away going like nope that's not real you're just dead that's 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 quite a downer <laughs> I mean but that is essentially what happens true, though it's true, just yes. it's just not stated as explicitly as we're doing mm um, and, you know, kind of jumping off from that a little bit, uh, hmm. we've talked about up to this point how you and I both kind of gravitate towards uh, minimal minimal exposition, minimal detail uh, kind of stories that sort of just live in the story that's being told and don't rely too much on on backstory and exposition and long-winded blah 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 Just kind of they, they do what they're going to do, they do it well, and they get out. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like this is an example of too minimal because I don't think it, I don't think the character stuff they do give you is substantial enough to, to really stick. 
You, um, Hmm. The first thing that that I don't think totally works is they have this setup, which is great. Again, all the setup is great, of uh, Austin talking with his girlfriend. Clearly, he's going to leave, uh, and he doesn't know how to tell his dad that he doesn't want to do this anymore. But I don't think that that ever comes up again. He Do they ever have that conversation? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, it's it's weird to me that 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 never comes up. It's even in the elevator when they're when they're having that conversation, it never comes up. Um, like it doesn't even come up. It, I feel like it would come up right before the weird stuff starts happening. So it's like you have that yeah. that moment where okay, they're even further apart now, and now they've got to go uh, do this autopsy on this body that turns out to be really weird. You know, um, and yeah. that elevator. Speaking of that elevator scene. It's it's just like I I don't think there's enough going on there that has been explored for this scene to really work for me because they're talking still even here in fairly vague terms about the death of this mother and uh, Tommy is talking fairly vaguely about the pressures that he put onto the son and stuff and it and it kind of. It, it just all kind of sits in the periphery of really landing in a character sense um, that it just it just never really it, it never re- that scene feels like it should be this uh, big uh, coming c- all the characters laying everything that's been under the uh, going on under the surface. It's all being laid out on the table here. This is what the emotions are. This is what they're feeling. And I, it doesn't feel that way to me because it sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think part of the problem is that, um, like like you were saying earlier, these two characters, this father and son pair, they like each other. Mm. Like they they might not see eye to eye on everything, but but most of the interactions we even see between the two of them are neutral to positive. Right. Right. Like there's not there's not a lot of like we, even we when get he this scares hint. the shit out of his girlfriend he's not really that mad about it <laughs> right, exactly like like yeah and and that that I keep coming back like mentally <laughs> to that to that scene and like to the whole like role of the girlfriend and all of mm-hmm. this um but just just to like before I get onto her to finish sure. my initial thought just like I I wonder if they if they didn't kind of show more of a tension between the two of them when they're actually interacting, not just in that kind of side conversation exactly, Austin yeah. has with, with the girlfriend. Like, if there would be sort of more of a catharsis during the elevator scene when uh, Tommy kind of almost does his sort of, like, apology, like, mea culpa kind of, mm-hmm. kind of talk. And it, it's also strange because... I don't know how old Austin is supposed to be in this. Right. I'm yeah, I was having trouble his... figuring that out too, yeah. Yeah, I mean he seems young enough, but also like post high school. Yeah. You know, like like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, he's he's old enough. I, I kind of feel like part of that is is Emil Hirsch just looking very young. Yeah. But he's yeah. he's he's old enough. <laughs> He's old enough that he is uh, the second on a 
uh, an autopsy. So he he has enough uh, schooling behind him that he can he can deal with that. But he's young enough to still be living with his dad and and sort of struggling with the following in his father's footsteps story. So it's yeah. kind it's kind of hard yet yeah, to to pin down exactly what it what it is. I'm surprised. I think I, I don't think I would have liked this if they added it. But it feels like the kind of scene that's missing is him. With his girlfriend, the girlfriend being like, you didn't go to four years of medical school just so you could <laughs> cut up dead bodies in your parents' basement. You know, and he's like, I know, I know, I got to talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like it, you've got setting up this idea that the mother died, the father needs help. So the son came home and the son doesn't want to be here and mm. he thinks there's enough time that's gone by. But that's that's all that stuff that I'm talking about. That's like on the periphery that they don't really get into. So it's hard to really. Uh, ground exactly what's going on yeah I mean an easier way to sort of do that would have been having the girlfriend oh she's coming to visit from New York City Mm. you know like they met in college and now he's back with the dad since the mom has died and so he's been long distance with his girlfriend like you could kind of do something like that that would imply that he had moved away at one point and yeah, he had come she, back. Because she seems very much like a towny girlfriend. Like it seems like he's when <laughs> yeah, he's done yeah. working with his dad, they're going to go to the drive-in or something. Like they, you know, it's it. She doesn't. <laughs> which I, I mean, it's not a not a bad thing or anything, but it just it doesn't present that distance that I think the character needs. Right, right, and it adds to the the sort of mystery of like exactly how old are are they. Like, right, how old yeah. is this couple? Um, are they 19? Or are they 25? Like, there's a big exactly. difference between those yeah. two. Like, if they were, um, you know, actually what would have been a nice way to handle that is if when they're doing, they start the autopsy on uh, on Jane Doe, when he's doing the recording, when he's setting, saying who's doing it, and he says, I'll be attended by uh, Austin Tilden, and then Austin very kind of curtly says, that's Dr. Austin Tilden. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, something to imply that he has... More medical training than necessary, and he's he's here for as a favor. Yeah, that that would add an interesting layer to it because then even if he did he did or said nothing else, you could like read a little bit of resentment into that. Right, right, right. And, you know um, what you were saying about the elevator uh, scene. He's he's apologizing, and I think that's that's the thing. It's like I I don't exactly know what he's apologizing for. Yeah. And I think that's part of that's the that's the meat that's missing. Yeah. 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 There's like not enough. It's sort of this movie tries to introduce some conflict by having Austin have this girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, but the girlfriend is kind of. Um, she's written like we're, we're talking about how some of the characters in this movie are a little thin. Sure. Her character is extremely thin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like So thin, this is a joke setup, so thin oh. that she could fit right through the crack of a door to get downstairs. I don't know how she got downstairs because they couldn't figure out a way to get out. How did she get back into the house if the only way they could get out was the elevator? I have no idea. Anyway, that was a long way to go for a ham sandwich. Continue. I thought you were going to say she's so thin it's almost like she's been wearing a corset for 400 years. No, no, I wouldn't objectify <laughs> her like that. <laughs> well, come on. They they make the comment about the Jane Doe's waist anyway. Um It's not all looks, 
Amanda. Jesus. <laughs> Look, about this beautiful corpse, it absolutely is. <laughs> like we said, if she was mediocre looking Jane Doe, That's it would not yes. be as interesting a movie. <laughs> um, no, but so, with, with the girlfriend, she comes in and she's kind of this like, like peppy, a little bit of like a firecracker. Like she mm-hmm. sneaks up on him and she scares him and she's all like mischievous about it. And then she's like, oh, I'm just taking a look around and like waltzing through the morgue and insists on going into the autopsy room mm-hmm. and insists on looking at one of the corpses, which is like, I think a fairly like inappropriate and, and like, borderline unethical thing yeah, to I know. do <laughs> inappropriate at the at the at the one end possibly illegal at the 10 end right and even just be beyond like legality if you're thinking about like your loved one's body you don't sure. want like the, <laughs> the medical examiner's like girlfriend to just be able to come in and be like oh gross right right um but she turns really quickly from this sort of like kind of like inappropriately into it like like a little too into the morgue and a little too into the bodies and then the minute they sort of prank her by ringing the ankle bell she's just like oh i can't believe you right yeah and it's just very like i don't know like it just seemed i don't know that just seemed like very cliche almost like girlfriend is upset or annoyed with you no matter what you do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know yeah it bothered her, me her character is uh uneven to say the least <laughs> yeah <clears throat> i mean it's it's she, she's not almost not on screen long enough to be uneven because uh, she's got i think like two scenes and then she gets axed to death by accident um, yeah, yeah one of the scenes is her getting axed to right death. yeah um but yeah i i feel like especially in a movie like this where you've got so where it's so lean as far as characters and so lean as far as plot i feel like a character like her needs to be that much sharper um right so her appearance serves a very specific purpose and uh whether that's to get across what the what uh the Austin's relationship with his dad is or to uh, get across what's going on in the autopsy room to some extent. I think she needs to be that much more clear as to what her purpose is. Yeah. Yeah. Have introducing this extra character into the environment and into the story has to serve a really direct purpose that, that like you're saying is very clear. And I, I think it just, they, they muddy it a little bit too much with her. Mm, Yeah. Because I mean, like, I honestly did. Would do you think it adds anything to have her come back? It's just a, it's just another body, you know. I, I, I don't, I don't find her death to be particularly. At least story wise, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I guess she's there, so she just seems like someone who's there to to get killed at a certain later in the movie. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, uh, like. It's interesting that we get, uh, if I'm remembering the order correctly, we get Tommy's apology to Austin pretty much right before he axes her. That's right. He apologizes. 
And then he kills his girlfriend. Right. And so it's kind of weird where it's like, if you're trying to set up a conflict between these two characters and something that one of them needs to feel bad about, Mm -hmm. there you go. Right. Like... And like, you didn't even, really need to bring the whole, like, well, your mom died and I put a lot of pressure on you. Like, no, it could have just been, you know, wait five minutes and then have it be, oh, my God, I'm so sorry I killed your girlfriend. Yeah. And even after that, like, after he kills her, they kind of both move past that pretty quick. Like, Austin has his uh, uh, dramatic scene where he, you know, holds her and screams or whatever. But then right. after that, it doesn't really come up again. I mean... Arguably, yes, they have bigger fish to fry at that point when you've got a uh, a witch demon um, in your autopsy room yeah, who's but, but... trying to do something about revenge. But it it's right. just it just seems like <laughs> such a it just feels like a manufactured plot beat to have the girlfriend come back and get killed. It does, and I, I think part of it is that like I think a couple of the like overarching themes of this movie. Um, are the concepts of guilt and the and punishment. Mm. Like, who is guilty? Sure. Are they really guilty? Who deserves punishment? Does it matter if someone deserves punishment? Or mm. is it enough that you're just able to meet it out on them? Yeah. It's, it, it, you know, that's, that's a good, a good uh, segue to talk, to move into talking about the, the body slash monster itself. Um, it is interesting that that she is presented as this spirit of vengeance, so to speak. Um, but she seems to meet out that vengeance on people who are, yeah, it, they they're not exactly. It's it's not entirely dissimilar to like the thing, in that mm-hmm. the the Tildens didn't do anything. I mean, well, they did something in the larger sense of of like the history of of. Uh, uh, men doing awful things to women i guess but it's you <laughs> but know in, in a larger academic personally. sense yeah but they they yeah, themselves yeah. don't seem to have really they're not bad people um and it's it's a thing where i find the the i find the the monster to be very interesting in its setup but i think its purpose is a little bit vague or a little bit unclear or even the way it's meeting out this vengeance seems kind of strange too. Like I, it, it, it all kind of falls under the same umbrella of like the middle part of the movie just feels like they're doing a bunch of scary stuff that doesn't really, because I don't know why she needs to summon <laughs> dead bodies to track them down other than to pay off the, the, the ankle bell gag, which is fantastic. That works really well. Oh yeah. Did you, you, you yeah. watched Picard, right? Yes. Did it drive you as insane as it drove Wes and I that they set up <laughs> that thing on the Borg cube about having the the green badge? And they're like, well, if the badge starts flashing green, you better watch out because that means that there's Borg coming. And they just never yep. did anything with it. Yep. I thought at least, at, not to derail totally, but I thought at least when... um. Oh my god! When seven like activates the Borg, that like yeah. something would happen with those, and nothing. No, they just did. suck them out into space. They don't have the <laughs> yeah, budget for that. Yeah. Anyway, but but it's like you. If you're gonna, the point is, if you're gonna set that up, you got to pay it off. And the ankle bell thing right. is set up very well, and it pays off very well. 
Um, but yeah, what's your what's your yeah. what's your take on on the uh, the the witch monster vengeance spirit aspect of of the whole thing? Well, so I I really like we kind of I think we we briefly mentioned this earlier. I like the fact that her her body itself is sort of a map or mm. like a puzzle of all of these different things. Like yeah. I really like that element of like being able to like find these clues on her and in her body that tell you like what has happened to her and mm-hmm. like that drops these weird sort of like I keep saying like um these these semi esoteric hints and and elements that are really interesting and I find like I love that shit like you know they yeah. they pull a weird cloth out of her and it's got her own tooth inside of it and it has symbols and roman numerals all over it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm all ab- I'm all about that weird kind of like just bizarre grotesquerie sort of stuff but as much as I enjoy her backstory and the build up to realizing that she is probably a, a victim of witch trials hundreds of years ago. Oh, and also she's still somehow partially alive. Mm-hmm. Um, which I all, I think all that's really well set up where they find they find the paralytic agent in her system and all of these different things. The way she bleeds, like she's not dead. I think all of that builds really well. I even think those sort of like her, her gen general vengeance thing is kind of cool. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I I want to be into it, but then yeah, you get into the actual execution of it when she starts to to have more of an effect on the environment. Uh, I really like the radio stuff. I yeah. like that she affects the radio i was less into like oh we're gonna light her on fire and just like nothing's gonna happen to her body yeah yeah it was like but you could cut her open right that's a good point (laughs) so i would have even enjoyed it if they had burned her and then they had realized after a minute that she was healing sure yeah yeah like something along those lines but yeah it gets it gets kind of weird where there's this like like Tommy decides that if he offers himself up in in her place that she'll leave Austin alone which yeah. <laughs> doesn't I, I can just imagine her on the other side as he's being like please just I'll you can take me just as long as as long as you leave him alone and on, on the other side her being like yeah yeah sure yeah that's what I'll do <laughs> yeah come on just come with me I, yeah he'll be perfectly fine don't worry about it I was totally going to kill both of you regardless of what you said. Yeah. But this way I get to do one real easy and then only have to deal with one of you. Yeah. Yeah. But, but her, her, that, that sort of amorphous motivation of just like rage and therefore revenge. It's hard to get into it when her physical form is so inert. Mm hmm. Yeah. Like Jane Doe is just laying there. Right. And then all this stuff is happening. Like never, she never communicates. She never really gets an opportunity to like state her own 
kind of case or her aims or even if it's just something as simple as like you'll all die or or whatever Mm -hmm. i don't know it just strikes me as weird yeah it's um i feel like and and this this is kind of me armchair rewriting the movie a little bit but (laughs) that's that's all we do i know yeah it's 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 fun it's the most fun part (laughs) um it it almost feels like what this should be is because it's it's tough to have a spirit of vengeance when there's no direct vengeance to need to be meted out you know um yeah like she's not even from the area yeah she's from like swampscott or something i i, I the, <laughs> nor- the northeast <laughs> yeah danvers or whatever yeah yeah she the real the real salem which is technically is it danvers i think is the real salem i think it i think yeah. it's danvers yeah um yeah and it's it feels like what this should be is there is a uh a, there's a, a schism between the father and the son and Jane Doe her presence starts drawing out the things between the two of them that need to be yeah you know so it's like it's uh it's it's more like they are going crazy it's causing them to go crazy or something as opposed to them just like running from ghosts where right. <laughs> her her just being there puts this uh for lack of a term better term spell on the two of them that causes them to kind of get darker and darker and they start accusing each other of things and th- that kind of thing as which a- would go along well with the witch trials exactly exactly yeah yeah, and uh, it, it would it would make the killing of the girlfriend feel a little less forced if if there was more tension there instead of just like okay stand back I'm not gonna look I'm just gonna indiscriminately swing this axe and hope that I hit right. the ghost you know <laughs> also I love you so much son. yeah I'm sorry <laughs> about that stuff when I made you feel terrible when your mother was dying hold on I got to do this thing real quick then we could talk yeah, again I'm gonna protect you yeah. yeah but like you know what I mean like it feels like th- that should be what she does more than literalizing this these ghosts and this idea of of her getting revenge for being a uh, uh, falsely accused or well, I guess accurately accused of being a witch if we want to get technical about it but <laughs> but you, you know what I well, mean was, like, was she was she alive in a witch or was she only a yeah, witch after she was like dead? That's, that's that's part of that's more part of where I feel like it almost feels like a short story or a short film because it feels the way that I'm describing it feels more like an episode of the Twilight Zone or something where this element is introduced which causes these two other people to uh, the uh, facade between them both to come down and their worst impulses are amplified and it ultimately causes their demise. And then it's just this spirit is moved on to the next place where it does the same thing. The Having yeah, her get yeah. into the more supernaturally ghost stuff, it, it doesn't feel like it's it's really doing a lot for the story. Which is too bad because I think it could be reworked in a way that that sort of did both that had mm-hmm. the sort of creepy ghost stuff and, and the bodies running around the morgue, but also played more into this sense of, um, I, th- I think what we're looking for is almost, we want more of a sense of like tension and paranoia. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, like one, one of the, one of my favorite gags in this movie is 
when uh, the father is dead mm-hmm. and Austin starts, he thinks it's over. Like the lights are back to normal. The radio is playing normal music. Um, he feels like everything is like he's alone and he's going to get out of here. And he goes up to the, um, the bulkhead doors for the basement mm-hmm. and he hears what he thinks is the sheriff Burke um, like calling to him and encouraging him to come right, out. Right. And it's his voice. It's definitely his voice until, and, and then it starts singing the song that right. the ghost had, had playing over the radio. And it was like, I had this moment watching that the other night. And I was like, wait a minute. If she can do that, if she can mimic the voices of, of other people, like how great would a gag have been if if it was like the mother's voice sure yeah somewhere else in the morgue you know maybe even in in sort of the crematorium section or something yeah and it sent the father like, i'm shocked after her, like. i'm shocked they didn't do something like that especially if yeah. this if this death of the mother is such a uh um <clears throat> focal point of their relationship currently I'm shocked that they didn't bring that back at all. Like, I would much rather see that than the girlfriend get an axe in the head or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. It, it, it would be more emotionally. It would have more of an emotional impact if it was the mother, because that seemed to be at least what the movie was trying to set up as sort of the crux of, of the issues between Tommy and Austin is this mm. unresolved, like, uh, like, unresolved grief right right yeah and it also it also i feel like it it does make the ending that much more dark if if you have these two who get to this point where they are uh this tension that's been brought out between them and all this this uh uh heated arguing or, or whatever it turns into uh possible violence has a moment of where it breaks and the father realizes what he has to do is like give himself over. And then he -hmm. he does that. He's dispatched. And then the other guy gets dispatched anyway. You know, it, it, it does. There's, yeah, there's man, this, this could, there's so much potential here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Speaking of that song though, I think this, that song is, is really well used in the movie and that, that bit where he goes up to the, the uh, bulkhead or whatever and the sheriff's voice goes from yelling down to turning into singing. This that, that works really well. I think that's a very effective yeah. bit. Yeah this this movie this movie is it's it's so frustrating in so many ways because like we're saying there's so many elements of it that are really great. There's so much room for it to be just like hit those sort of classic notes of a mm-hmm. haunting, but also do something kind of different with them. Yeah. Um, but even as it is, like flaws and all, like I think it's it's a movie that does a really great job of sort of settling you into this atmosphere. Oh, definitely, yes. Like once you're down in that morgue, you don't leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like really, you're, you you don't get a full tour of like all the different rooms and like you, you don't get the whole layout. You you just get the vibe that it's a few hallways and several different rooms, but you don't really know how they all connect. And it's very old and it's very dark and you can't tell like day or night. And 
you might hear the thunder and the rain, but you can't see it. And it, yeah, it, it's it's such a creepy, it's such a great location and great atmosphere that I think that does a, a lot of the work of like setting the sort of eerie tone. Yeah, I, they kind of do that thing that they do in, in Alien where they kind of, they set the atmosphere and also get you a little bit accustomed to the space by showing you these very... Uh, just kind of shots of hallways, just shots of empty hallways, empty areas, just sort of give you an idea of what the space is like, but they're they're doing it in a way where it keeps the mystery of it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, and it just goes to that, the whole beginning is just, the setup is so great, the atmosphere is, is really, really good. I do think, ultimately, my feeling is, ghost movies are very rarely... Let's call this a ghost movie for sake of argument. Ghost movies, haunting <laughs> movies are very rarely just about the ghosts and the hauntings. Mm-hmm. And it's usually used to amplify whatever character stuff is going on. And I think that's the biggest failing for me is that it's like it, it's so close. It's so close to really yeah. nailing that because all of the other stuff is, is done so well. Uh, like I said, even though I don't totally love what they narratively the ghost stuff that they do in the middle the actual things they're doing are pretty friggin scary whether it's the the bell (laughs) the bell on the foot or the the guy with his face blown off who's walking down and they keep giving you like little bits of his face as he's coming down yeah just like a flash here and there yeah or the uh the woman with her her lips sewn shut at who you know tears it open and like screams at the 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 hole in the wall that's really good um. Yeah, that's the like that. The execution <laughs> is is great. I think. I just I have to say I I love that scene with the the woman the older woman's ghost who has the eyes and the lips sewn shut when she's like yeah she's in the hole in the door and she's like screaming through her sewn shut mouth mm-hmm. and like pulling at it and <laughs> I think like. Austin looks through the hole and sees her and then he like leans back and then Tommy looks at Austin and then he looks through the hole and then he also leans yes, back. Yes, yes. And I just, I love that it's not the like, what are you talking about? There's nothing out there. It's like, right. oh it's no, like, there's nope, something really fucked there. up out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, they don't do that enough in, in, in horror movies. It's so cliche to just do the, oh, it's there and then it's not. It's so much scarier, right. I find, if you do, oh, it's there. Uh, and then you go back, oh, it's still there. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, I, I think it's really well done. Um, I think, honestly, I think the stuff we're talking about is, as being failings of it, is, is does not stop it from being an enjoyable movie, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the things we're getting into are almost like, if you're the sort of person who listens to a podcast like this or sure. makes a podcast like this, like you're yeah. going to, you're going to point these things out. Mm-hmm. But honestly, if you're just looking for a movie to scare the shit out of your friends who watch horror movies sometimes, but not always, mm-hmm. this is a really good candidate. Yeah. You could do a lot worse than this. We didn't even talk about the, no. the moment where they, they peel her, that layer of skin off and she's got the tattoos oh, yeah. underneath. It's so great. All that stuff oh, is God. fantastic. Yeah, the the autopsy stuff itself. Like I I I appreciate the fact that 
as much as, you know, the summary was like this beautiful Jane Doe and we've mm-hmm. kind of joked about it, like the she her her body is never shot in a like romanticized or sexualized right. way. It's right. very like matter of fact. She's she's just there and this is what needs to happen. It's not like shot to like titillate the audience right. or imply anything. It's very like clinical as it should be um but yeah all the stuff where they they sort of are you know doing the y incisions and like the rib cutters and all of mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. pretty intense yeah and I, I maybe this is overthinking it too much but like there's a, there's an element too where it's like her her presentation is very much almost like a like a porcelain doll sort of like her skin's very yeah. very white it's very she's like she's perfect looking essentially and what they do is they just cut open and destroy this you know beautiful body for you know and it it is it is an interesting i do think it's i think though it is kind of weird that they they bring it up in that in that breakdown i do think it's like (laughs) part of the uh disarming nature of the story is oh yeah you know what's your the the canvas here is not unpleasant to look at let's put it that way until they then <laughs> tear it to pieces so you are kind of you're disarmed by this you know beautiful woman who turns out to be some sort of you know evil monster or whatever right right and and just sort of the theme that even though their intentions are not bad mm-hmm. like they're just doing their jobs the the violence they're inflicting on her body is still a form of violence the mm. same way like you know back in the witch trials the 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 you know the people who were persecuting her for being a witch thought that they were doing the right thing they right. also thought yeah. they were just doing their jobs i was i was just thinking that as you're saying it i i it's i kind of feel like it's a missed beat to have Tommy in in like his appeal to to her be like I'm sorry I was just doing my job you know some some right. cuz saying that kind of to have him say that I feel like makes her, her vengeance factor a, a more uh towards them at least have a little bit more weight to it because that right. immediately having him say that given the situation and given what they've now figured out that she is puts immediate context to why she would be uh, so angry at these guys who are just doing their jobs the way they did either during the witch trials or if you want to extrapolate it out uh, during the Holocaust or any of these other many, many times where people's excuse for the horrible things that they did was I'm just doing my job. Yeah, and I, I, I think I would have enjoyed it or I would have appreciated it like narratively if they had tied that into to maybe the mother's death, Mm -hmm. you know, like maybe she was on life support. Maybe he, he did or did not do something and said, well, what else was I supposed to do? That was the only Mm -hmm. option or, or do you know what I mean? Like the thing for me is the character of Tommy seems like one that is just so steeped in this sense of guilt. Mm. But he doesn't seem to have done much to really deserve that. Exactly, yeah, yeah. 
And I, I, yeah, I wish there was, there was something just narratively or rhetorically that sort of highlighted a way in which he had failed or had, had a moral or ethical failing. Right. Even if, even if we didn't agree as an audience that it was a failing, if he felt it was. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I don't know. It just, yeah. You know, like I, I, I don't feel like, I guess, I think again, this goes back to, uh, there being too minimal detail to really parse it out, but I don't feel like either of these guys go on much of a journey. Like they, they don't <laughs> yeah. come away changed that much. Like character wise, they're just sort I mean, of, they don't, they don't come away at all. No, but you know, like there's, it's, it's <laughs> just, there, there's just no real movement character wise for them in, in a, all of this stuff is just sort of happening to them. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I totally understand what you're saying, and I and I agree. Yeah, I, there's I, I, no I, like. That's not super fair to me to say because I mean, like I, I mentioned the thing, and there's not a lot of character movement in the thing either. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It, I think it's different in a movie like that where you've got 17 people who are all pointing fingers at each other versus a small, clearly condensed character study type movie that that feels like it's just begging for for more character work to be done. Yeah, especially where, you know, in, in in the thing, one of one of the elements I think we enjoy about about that movie so much is that the creature, the thing itself, it doesn't really have a motivation. Right. It doesn't right. really have a, a, a specific like reason for doing the things that it's doing, except maybe an effort to escape. Mm-hmm. Um Whereas this movie very clearly ascribes a background and a trauma and a motivation and a sense of revenge right, right. to Jane Doe. Yeah. That I then think we're, we're sort of searching for ways in which the movie then like fulfills that. Right, right. Yes. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. So, um,. Like we said, this movie is not on the list currently, but it does have a 87%. Do you think Autopsy of Jane Doe deserves to be on the list? I I do. <laughs> I, I really do, because I think, um, you know, we're talking about the 200 best horror movies. This is much more of a horror movie than some of the other movies right? Yeah. that we've either already talked about or, or ones we have yet to hit on that are on this list. Yeah. Um, and it's a genuinely scary movie. There are a lot of moments that are, that are really good scares. And yeah, I just, I feel like it, it, it should be on there before things like, I don't know. American Psycho. I can't, I can't come up. <laughs> Yeah, I know. American Psycho is always my we go-to. Even, we can't even use that anymore because it's gone. <laughs> I know, and because it's Because the people listen to the show. That's why. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think this should be on there. Maybe maybe up near 200. I'm not saying this should be one of the top 100 best horror movies of all time. But yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, just scrolling through the list, I feel like there's a lot of movies that kind of fall in the same kind of category as this as far as like how wide they're how well they're known uh Mm -hmm. versus because you know obviously we've said before this has a lot of classics on it 
but it's got stuff on it like Oculus, which was a movie that went under the radar pretty well, pretty much. Uh, Southbound, which I think is I haven't seen, but I believe it's like a, a New Zealand yeah. uh, or Australian horror movie that I've I've seen I've seen it on like Amazon Prime a million times. I've never wa- I haven't watched it yet, but it's just one of those ones yeah, where I it's like yeah, one. it f- probably falls in the same category as this. Where it's I'm sure we're gonna watch it. I'm sure it's gonna be fine. <laughs> you know, like it. Yeah, well, like. I was just going to say, Southbound oh. actually has a lower rating than Autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, but yeah, like Lights think, Out, think... Lights Out, I, I, I'm i sure that's fine, but I'm it's not something that I feel like is, I have a feeling I'm not going to think it's one of the 200 best horror movies ever made. Yeah. <laughs> well, isn't even, um like, isn't Ready or Not on the list? Uh, it is, yes. It's very high, actually. And I, I love Ready or Not. I think it's a, I think it's a really really fun movie. Mm. I don't think of it as a horror movie. Right, right. I don't know. Again, maybe we're getting too far into semantics. Um, but like o- Oculus, for example, I've seen Oculus. I like Oculus. That's definitely very much in the horror movie, mm-hmm. scary movie wheelhouse. I would swap that for this. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's been a while since I've seen Oculus, but I, I'm I'm not going to disagree with you straight out without at least without watching it again, which we will eventually. But yeah, it, like I feel like it's it's it, it's at least as good as Oculus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Oculus if gets better, to be on this yeah. list, so does Autopsy of Jane Doe. Right. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I feel like uh, so far we're uh, four for four. As far as putting movies on the list, but I and I assume that has nothing to do with the fact that we chose them personally, so we obviously clearly like them going in. But right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, I think that's going to do it for our uh, coverage of the autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, I'm going to hit the randomizer. And next time we will be doing a movie called Wreck, which is a Spanish. Uh, zombie movie? Is it a zombie movie? I can't remember. I think I don't know. I'm very excited to see. Oh, have this you one, not though. seen Wreck? I have not seen. Ooh, Wreck. Okay, that's going to be fun. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, Wreck is is uh, very highly uh, recommended <laughs> by most <laughs> oh, people who have seen it. Hey, that's that's what I'm. That's what this is going to turn into. By the time we get to movie number two hundred, it's just going to be vaudeville jokes and puns. I don't know if I'm going to make it that far then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, we'll be doing Wreck next time, number 144, uh, so you can check that out. And if you like what you heard here, if you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes, that would be great. And if you're interested in Star Trek, another one of the podcasts we have under our umbrella is the Penske File, where Wes and I talk about... Currently, we're talking about Star Trek Enterprise and Lower Decks, which is the new Star Trek cartoon. Have you watched any of Lower Decks? I have watched the first episode, maybe yeah. the first two. What'd you think? I I'd be willing to give it a shot. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sold right away. Yeah, not that's straight fair. out the box. But. Yeah, we, we've been getting a lot of uh, uh, kind of conflicting opinions about it. I've actually been I've actually been enjoying <laughs> it quite a bit, and uh, it's the. Uh, Caitlin has actually been enjoying it quite a bit as well, which is interesting. That makes sense yeah. to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we have the Penske File, and we've got uh, the Bat-Ass Podcast, where it's myself and DC Comics artist Sean Murphy talking about Batman the Animated Series. 
Uh, every episode, we do two episodes of that, which we briefly talk about the episodes, and then we go on some tangent about drawing comics or something. But uh, so <laughs> yeah, awesome. There's plenty of stuff out there if you want to take a listen to it. We've got a Patreon through uh, the Penske file if you want to throw us a couple bucks. That's cool too. Much appreciated. Um, so yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us this time. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Hey, everyone. Clay here. Just wanted to let you know, uh, we called a bit of an audible because our next show will be our Halloween show. So uh, instead of doing Wreck, we're going to do Fright Night, number 110. Uh, at least it was 110 when we recorded it. Things have changed since then. But we thought Fright Night screamed Halloween a little bit more than Wreck did. So, uh, yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.